Woohoo! Welcome to the Some Work All Play podcast. We are so happy you are here with us. Um, we are really excited to do this. Actually, when we were driving back um, our four-hour drive to get back home this weekend, one of the questions that we talked about was, if you just had a year left to live, how would you change your life? And one of the things we both talked about is we would definitely keep con continue doing the podcast. We would. And I think we would just brew the coffee a little stronger yeah. for each podcast. It would get like subsequently stronger. So last week we recorded on beer and this week, cause it was in the evening and this week is kind of midday. So we're recording on, on coffee and feel free to chime in on which, which approach you think is better. I think for me, my jokes are probably better on beer, but I think I may be a little faster on coffee. I don't know. I feel like I'm way better on coffee. The jokes just need to come out. Like something needs to come out, right? Um, not just jokes, but other things need to come out on coffee. I think my bad jokes are slightly higher on beer and my science might be a little better on coffee. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but yeah, the one year question about like, if you only had that much time to live was super interesting because it made us actually sit down and question some of our priorities and things that we do. And I thought one of the things that was really cool is, you know, when it comes to things like the podcast, yeah, that's what it's all about is this ability to interact and engage. And, and um, so thank you all for sending in questions. Like that all means the world to us. And we've really, um, you know, found more engagement with the community through this than almost any writing or anything else we've ever done. So it's super meaningful. It's been fun. And we appreciate all your feedback. And also the, uh, so we've launched the SWAT playlist and we've gotten some recommendations for songs too. So we appreciate that. So keep that coming. We'll, we'll release another playlist in the comments. Awesome. So uh, email is someworkallplay at gmail.com. Um, so we're going to do a short intro and then probably just get into two topics this week. Though we'll Are see. we down to two topics? <laughs> Am I winning this fight? So a long time ago when we started, David was like, we're going to do eight topics. And I was like, let's try to. And uh, you can see we've slowly made our way down. <laughs> yeah. Every single week we're, we're talking and I'm like, well, there's 15 more points to make on this one topic. And so as a result, I'm seeing that Megan is always right. If I only had a year left to live, I would probably just spend a year being like, okay, imagine that you have no opinions and Megan's opinion is always right. And that would be the best year of my life. That would be pretty scary. We'd probably be doing some stupid adventures yeah. is my, my theory on that. But I think we may actually trend down to one topic at one point. I think that would be really smart, especially when we're talking about deep training topics or deep life topics like we did with the mental health episode. But it can be one topic with all these tangents the yeah. and tangents depending upon how much coffee or beer we have. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If we have beer, I think, you know, sticking to one topic might be We might do a half topic if we've had beer. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so what we want to start with in the intro is uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's uh, death last week um, and just you know giving her a brief tribute, um, also contextualizing it a little for, for people that might not know her history too much. So, um, you know, in law school, R RBG is this absolute, was this absolute icon, um, not just for, you know, the thing she's become, which is she's held up on, on a pedestal as like... Um, you know, this powerful woman who stood up for women's rights and all these other things, which she is all those things, but she is also one of the best lawyers and jurists that has ever lived in human history. Um, and among her many, many amazing decisions, what, uh, or majority opinions was US v. Virginia, which was on ad admission to the Virginia Military Institute, which used to not allow uh, female applicants to apply. Uh, she wrote in that case that generaliz generalizations about the way women are estimates in estimates of what is appropriate for most women uh, no longer justify denying opportunity to women whose talent and capacity place them outside the average description. Essentially, what, what Ginsburg structured her jurisprudence around was incremental steps to achieve uh, equal rights, not just for women, but all people. And in, in that vein, she built off things that the NAACP did for, for 
black people and minorities and other things. And um, essentially just wanted to say how much love we have for RBG, not just her work, but the type of person she is. What I'm most inspired by is her hustle. So we watched the RBG documentary, I think about two years ago yeah. now. And I was so inspired after that point that I did a deep dive into everything RBG. I was like, find me a notorious RBG t-shirt because I want to rep her on a daily basis. But for me, what I took away from was just like the amount of hustle she put into everything yeah. she did in life. Um, so she actually started law school when her daughter Jane was 14 months old. And that was at a time when, I mean, she was one of, I believe of like two women in, yeah. in, in law school at Something the time. Something really small. It was very small. Um, and she hustled. And I just loved how she embraced being a mom and being in law school at the same time. She actually has a great quote. She says, I think I had better balance, better sense of proportions of what matters. I felt each part of my life, and she's referring to motherhood and, and law in this case, gave me respite from the other. And I just thought that was so beautiful how she balanced things and just like leaned into both identities in a way that created this dual nature that fed both of That's them. That's so cool. And like hearing you say that, when I watched it, it, that didn't resonate with me in the same way, probably because I'm coming from a totally different perspective, you know? And it's not that she had to deny these parts of herself. She embraced it all. I mean, do you feel like as, you know, as you're navigating research and coaching in your own athletics and maybe, you know, hopefully being a mother one day, like, do you find that that, do you, like, do you draw on that a lot? I draw on that a lot. I just love that she was so gracious in acknowledging that and just like also acknowledging the challenges that she went through and like very open about that. So the other thing that I, I drew too was that her relationship with her husband, Marty, and that was mm -hmm. that was really beautiful. Um, I think that was a moving part of the documentary for me as well. And he supported her in a way that was uncommon for men <laughs> to support women in the 70s. Like he did the cooking when she was launching the women's movement. And I was like, you know, if you're going to launch a women's movement, like way to freaking own it at home. And I thought, <laughs> that was amazing also marty kind of reminded me of you david just oh like this like supporter who was there enthusiastically through everything she did um and she also supported him and it was just like this beautiful relationship and she acknowledges too that you know they had their struggles i think she, i i read a quote from her she was like sometimes in marriage you just have to be a little deaf at times and i thought that was <laughs> deaf like, like yeah, deaf to like the, what they're saying yeah or like d-e-a-f -E not, oh not deaf um and i was like that's a beautiful quote. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that's so true. I hope that you forget some of the things I say at least. At least you have like short-term memory loss. But one more RBG quote. I, it's funny. Oh, like RBG, if you Google RBG, you can find like 20, like tons and tons of quotes. I think she just was, she has a way with words that I think um, magnifies what she does. But this is a quote related to Marty. And I thought this was especially beautiful. You can't have it all at once. Over my lifespan, I think I've had it all. But in given periods in time, things are rough. And if you have a caring life partner, you help the other person when that partner needs it. And I just thought that was like such a great representation of her relationship with Marty, how it was like, you know, she had struggles in it, but they were there for each other um, through it all. And I, she just speaks beautifully. I love that. I mean, it really gets back to not just romantic partners, but like partners in general and, and like people that are around you is that you you know, often on the outside, you assume that things are just great and that things are smooth and easy. And, you know, in reality, it's all messy and people are messed up and do messed up things, even if you mean for the best and like meeting each other halfway is so key and so hard sometimes. But I would argue that the fun and the true like learning and beauty comes in that messiness. Like if it weren't messy, like you wouldn't ever be able to appreciate the times when it was like normal or not, not messy or, you know, I just think, I think that's like where life truly is. Yeah. We should do a relationship episode at some point and talk about some of our messes. We, I mean, we've waded through a lot of shit yeah, yeah. like together, like in our relationship, like solo. And I think like that's, 
that's been fun. Yeah, I guess wading through the shit is kind of that should be the name of our autobiography. I feel like that's where <laughs> that's where life's at. Um, but what I think another thing from RBG um, is she just like speaking to her hustle, the way that she showed up in the gym. So in the documentary, there's yeah. great <laughs> images of her with. Also, I think this was like TRX may have paid for this because yeah. she is working the TRX like no one has ever worked the TRX before, um, the TRX bands and doing shoulder press and all of that. And she's wearing in the film, she's wearing a shirt that just says super diva exclamation point. And so this weekend, I just was thinking about RBG and all my workouts. I was like, it's a super diva Watts day. Like this I is in it. honor of RBG. What would she do? And, you know, she would make the best of life and just put out Watts, whether it's in work, in her TRX exercises, um, you know, in her relationships. And that was inspiring well, to me. Yeah. And let's all channel our are super diva, right? Like, I think maybe one of the big messages from her is you don't have to be a woman to ch channel super diva or a crusader to channel that. It's like, we all have that inside us and you just got to freaking go for it. And she went for it in the face of so much resistance and, and negativity and created a better world. So RBG, we're pouring out some protein, vegan protein shake for you right now and thinking of you. Out there. I love the point that you made about Super D Diva being like, you know, you can be a man and embrace your Super Diva. Oh, yeah. And I think like for me, like that is like something that's super attractive about you is that like you're willing to just like embrace your Super Diva and support women. And just like, <laughs> I am grateful for that. And I wish more men embrace that. And let's all lift up the Super Divas around us, not just the women, but like anyone who's channeling that energy because Super Diva exclamation point is where it's at. Also, may I add the explanation? The ex exclamation point was its own line on yeah, the yeah. T-shirt. So it just said one said "Super Diva," or it said "Super," then "Diva," and then just exclamation point. And whoever designed that, kudos to you because that's a great that's a great way to put it. Oh my god, I love that so much. Um, yeah, and I, briefly on that topic, like this brings up a lot of election anxiety for a lot of people. We're not gonna we'll talk about this more in a future episode, but essentially want to validate those fears that you have. And that just know that whatever you're feeling, a lot of people are right there with you. Um, so talk about it right now. Try to try to disconnect a little bit from the hose of news that's hitting us all right in the face when it comes to that. Um, do the work that you need to do to to get people out to vote. But like, um, know that your fears are valid. I think what was instructive for me on this point was I think 80% of athletes this weekend put something about RBG in their training yeah. logs and variations from feeling inspired about the work that she's done to feeling just heavy sad and depressed about, not just about her death about the but future, about yeah. about what's happening about like the the response to it and so like whatever you're feeling like someone is probably feeling that right alongside you and i mean rbg probably felt it too you know she was fighting until the end just to, so the the point being it's a tough time and it's okay to be tough and, and while it's tough let's celebrate her and and what she stood for and celebrate her with action as much as we can and put out some freaking super diva watts <laughs> speaking of super diva watts you had a fun adventure yesterday um, do you want, do you want to describe it or should I? Uh, you can start. Describing. Okay. The Mount Audubon duathlon starts in Boulder, uh, here around a mile high at 5,500 feet. You ride all the way up to the Brainerd Lake trailhead, which is at 10,300 feet with a big climb and descent in the middle. So it's even more climbing than 5,000. Um, from there, you have to run up Mount Audubon to 13,329 feet. 229 feet, close enough. And then come all the way back down. And then you bike back down to town. Megan did that whole thing. So 50 plus miles, 9,000 plus feet of vert in four hours, 46 minutes. Absolutely like- Oh, thank is you. It's a thing to behold. Well, this is entertaining listening to you. I feel like you're describing a game show right now. Yeah, like, yeah. I should be on the fastest mile and you're <laughs> describing these like challenges that I went through. So thank you for making it sounding so entertaining. Oh it was so challenging. I have no idea, one, how it was humanly possible, but also you overcame a lot along the way. I thought it was super special. So like when we, we started early, like 
And on the very first climb, we're going up this super steep 10 plus percent grade. And Megan just is like, David, my legs are mush. But she didn't say it in a sad way. It was tough. So I think the FKT was interesting because FKTs are one of those things that you have a lot of variables to work around. So we chose Monday. We chose we chose to do the FKT on Sunday. So we had a one day notice. And that was because of a combination of things like your parents are going to be able to be yeah. there to support us. Um, the weather was good. My class schedule it just all worked out. But it kind of for me athletically was not a great day to choose one because I knew I was like, this is the one bad day in my menstrual cycle. But <laughs> usually I feel like I'm like hyperventilating otter yeah. um and that's a, <laughs> an otter i love the otter were you thinking of any other animals there or is that just the otter it's just the first thing that came just to mind i don't know why the pms otter needs to be our next t-shirt exclamation point yeah, yeah just lying on his back like oh i'm fat right now <laughs> so between that and then we had done an adventure on saturday where we had a, a significant amount of downhill and so i think my legs were a little ripped but heading up the first climb i it just felt like my legs were clenching yeah. it was a feeling i've never had like i've done pretty hard bike workouts. And this is a feeling I've never had before. And I was like, yeah. holy cow. I've that, gotten... that must be a panic moment. Like, did you think about turning around or anything? Well, it's funny because your parents who are amazing, by the way. So Leslie and Michael, David's parents agreed to crew this adventure with like 12 hours notice. And not only did they crew, but they brought a rug and chairs to the transition <laughs> point. Like they are just great. They made a sign for Megan. They made a sign. Like it just was, they're beautiful. But I knew they'd be waiting for us yeah. up at Brainerd Lake and didn't have cell service and woke up really early to support this adventure. And I was like, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to put out Super Diva Watts just <laughs> to get to your parents because I owe that to them and the amazingness that they put out. And I was like, you know, my legs are clenching. It's like a small problem. Like, it's not like my body is, yeah. you know, failing me on all accounts and like, I can get through this. And it just was one of those how moments. You, so how, you, you maintained a positive attitude because even as you said that, you were making jokes to me as soon as the, as soon as the road went downhill or something. Like, was that... I, I don't know. I, to me, it was super inspirational because I can't imagine what PMS feels like, but I'm essentially trying to imagine the worst athletic day you know, you've had for, for a man and be like, okay, this is the day that I'm doing something that is like, feels impossible. Well, I think for me, I, it, I, I actually, when I was going to bed the night before yeah. this adventure, I was like, it may be a tough day tomorrow just because this is like the one day out of the month that yeah. like, is not a great day for, for training. But what I think I've realized over time is, is I've done enough of these and I want to put myself in positions. Like I never know when a race is going to fall on this day. And like, if I keep doing this and keep showing up, it's going to give me that confidence when an even bigger event falls on that day. But I also know too, I think like it's more, it doesn't actually necessarily hurt my output or hurt yeah. my performance. It just makes it a lot harder. Like <laughs> yesterday was a world of hurt. And in some like beautiful way, I'm really grateful for that because yeah. like anything should feel easier. Like the combination yeah. of biking hard and then running is not easy. And like, once I'm going into a race that's just running, it's got to feel easier. Oh my God. <laughs> that's the ultimate super diva Watts is to like, have this huge uphill climb and be like, I just don't have it. And then to decide, wait, I'm fine. I do have it. And, and just do it, do it anyway. What I was focusing on though, was I think the great thing about that adventure is there's so many different moving parts that I had all these different checkpoints I yeah. could focus along on the way. So like on the bike, it was like, okay, just get to Ward, which is the steep part of the climb. Then it was like, just get to your parents and yeah. your parents are this like bright shining light. And then it was like, ah, oh, I'm excited to get to the run. And so it was like, it was nice to chunk it that way and kind of like have different things to look forward to. Well, to, she would never ever toot her own horn, but to, for perspective, her bike climb, uh, up to 10,000 feet was the fastest ever on Strava. Her running round trip was the second fastest ever and her bike descent, which included a climb, uh, was the fastest ever. And she just happened to combine them all into one event, all back to back um, with lots and lots of snacks. Um, and so it was 
one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And especially reflecting on what you went through last year with the surgery and being told you might never do this stuff again. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, it's funny because we were running down Mount Audubon and I started, I mean, we still had a lot left. Like we had to descend and like, you know, there's a lot more moving parts that were left in this, but I just, I started to get goosebumps and tear up because it was like, I think my hamstring will forever be one of those things where I don't take the stuff for granted. Like I felt like I was like out there competing and back to somewhere that I thought I may never get back to yeah. and just like overwhelmed with emotion descending. Meanwhile, trying not to break my ankle in the descent, but like it just, I just had so much gratitude while I was out there. Well, I th actually think that makes a great segue into what was going to be topic two, but let's do topic one on setbacks, making breakthroughs. So we've mentioned this briefly in the past. This is from uh, listener E. So thank you. But essentially we would really just want to emphasize that an athletic life is rife with setbacks. Like no matter who you are, whether you're LeBron James, Megan, or someone that's doing run walk or just getting into running, like setbacks are part of the process. Our bodies are not made to just do this stuff indefinitely forever. And I think when we say setbacks too, we mean like physical injury, but yeah. also we've seen athletes have like mental setbacks where like they go through a period of time where they're just not loving training or like something feels existential or like maybe there's like work struggles, or COVID, or family or, struggles, like yeah. any number of things can be considered a setback, whether that's small or big or something that may impact your running or athletic trajectory forever. So there's so many stories like Megan's. I mean, uh, Walt Van Art is a, is a cyclist who last year at the Tour de France had such a severe crash. Um, his leg was this almost ripped in two from uh, hitting a pole during the crash. He said it felt like he was being burned alive. He was in the hospital for weeks. Um, the, this, they thought he might never walk again. This year at the Tour de France, he came back and was maybe the strongest rider in the field, won multiple stages, um, showed versatility that no one's ever seen before. And he looked so composed too. Yeah. Like I'm always fascinated, you know, after, after biking, I'm always fascinated about what it takes to get back on the bike after a crash like that. And just like the psychological impact of thinking about crashing. And he just looked composed and dialed. And it was, it was very cool. To yeah. See. And we see that all the time. It's not just pro athletes. It's like everyone and why this happens, why setbacks lead to breakthroughs can have lots of reasons. Um, it might be cellular level recovery processes that are really difficult to understand. You know, the hard part here is when we're talking about multiple year cycles, there's really nothing to measure you, because all the changes are so small all we can do is then is see snapshots it's like okay here's the before here's the middle of the crisis and here's the after why is the after at this level it makes no sense so long-term adaptation is happening and i i don't know why all the time I, I have no idea and one theory i have again so i think about it sometimes as epigenetic expression yeah. so epigenetics is a hotly debated topic yeah. in science it's funny i feel like i say hotly debated on here all the time <laughs> as it references science but it's true that like so many of these things are hard to measure over the long term that it is actually hotly debated and we're not exactly sure what's going on but epigenetics is essentially how the environment is impacting your genes and i think a lot of times these breaks allow epigenetic modifications um and whether it's the process of taking the break itself or the process of the reintroduction back into training i don't know yeah. but it's very cool to think about that and think about like like all that we have to learn in science on this It's topic. kind of like my old PC computers. Sometimes you just need to turn them off and turn them back on and something like magically gets fixed. That's like the extent of my electronics knowledge. I was gonna say, I don't read instructions, but I do turn things on and off all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sometimes maybe if you're turned off right now, whether that's an injury or like, let's say you can't exercise during pregnancy for whatever reason or whatever it is, like all the time, that's what leads to gold medals, like personal gold medals, not just the literal ones. But in the moment, it doesn't feel that direct. Like, I mean, from, you're, you're a great example. You know, so yesterday, it, it seems like the highest highs. And last year, you had the lowest lows. And it seems like, oh, yeah, from the outside, that's a straight line. But in practice, 
it's been messy and it's even hard now, right? It's a, it was a very squiggly line. Yeah, yeah. And right now it still even feels squiggly. Like I think when I was going through that hamstring process, I had just resigned myself to being a professional arm cyclist. Like <laughs> I spent six weeks on the arm bike. Okay. So a side note, one of the most amazing things I've ever seen is Megan in this long leg brace on an arm bike, which is a, a thing that goes on the table, just spinning at probably 130 RPMs. Those were probably the hardest core super diva watts I've ever seen. It hurt really <laughs> yeah. bad. Actually, just like full on, it's weird because like I'm used to my legs hurting, but yeah. having that lactic acid, like like feeling in the arms is strange. I've got my heart rate to 175 though on that, that arm bike. That blows my mind. To this day, that might be way more impressive than anything you even did yesterday. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So like it wasn't direct at all, right? And you still feel things. I still feel things. And I think like, or not necessarily that I feel things. So I think the only time my hamstring hurts now is when I'm bending over repetitively cleaning the house, which I may be selective service <laughs> because I don't like cleaning. That's a way to get out of cleaning. Yeah, but it? I think it's very normal whenever you go through something, even when you have these like, like, you know, feelings of like getting past it. Like for me yesterday was like a feeling of like, oh my gosh, I'm past this hamstring struggle. But I imagine in the next couple of months, I'll still have things where like, you know, my hamstring may hurt and I have questions and doubts about regression or, you know, what if my other hamstring hurts? Yeah. And it's very normal for athletes to experience that trauma really related to injuries. And in the moment, breakthroughs just don't feel like breakthroughs. The growth is so incrementally small that from, from the inside, it feels like nothing. It's only from the outside that things seem sensational. So like if you're going through something right now, or if you're coming back from something, or when you go through, through things in the future, just know that where you are is okay. And if you give yourself patience and love and commit yourself to the grind, that's where these magical stories happen. And we don't know why the magic happens, but we do know that you have to let the magic happen. And I think the final point on this topic too is just to avoid comparison to others during yeah. this process. Like I know when I was going through my hamstring, there were people who were pregnant at the same time as I was going through my hamstring and they had a baby and came back <laughs> faster than I came back from my hamstring recovery. And it's like, you know, for like it's just impossible to compare yourself to others. Like everyone's journey is so different. And like what you're seeing on social media or Strava, usually that's just like the best version anyways. So cut yourself some slack and don't compare to others. Yeah, process. it's all going to be at your own pace. And that's not, you know, a lot of that might just be physiology, all those complicated things we were talking about that no one really understands. That could be why your specific setback takes longer, even if your setback doesn't seem as serious. Um, but a breakthrough is waiting for you. Promise. I promise you that you just have to give it the time. And you have to recognize it as a breakthrough. Yeah. So like you have to give yourself the chance to be like, hey, I had a breakthrough today, <laughs> even if it's something small or whatever it may be. Celebrate like, that crap. Recognize Ce it. Celebrate that arm bike where you just rock it. <laughs> awesome. You want to get to the last topic? Let's go for it. Awesome. This is on strength work. I get strength work from my coach a couple times a week, but it's more body weight focused most of the time. I want to lift heavy things, exclamation point. How much can I do without jeopardizing my running? What should I focus on short slash medium slash long term as as far as balance goes. And this is from listener Jay. Um, so on the topic of strength work, the first uh, big thing is that our goal for athletes is to find your strong. Athletes are all caps strong. And so strength, come that involves some strength work. Exactly. And I love to think about strength work as functional as well. So um, we have what we refer to as mom strength and dad strength yeah. among a lot of the athletes on our team. And it's like, the fun thing about strength work, again, is embracing that athleticism, like being like, I am an athlete today, but also thinking about how that applies to life, whether that means you're picking up your kids with a little more careful force yeah. or whatever it may be, or having the resilience to get up and down mountains without getting injured. And I think it's really fun to think about like those strength gains translating to every part of life, not just running. And running is part of strength work too. So when you're on a trail, that is a type of strength work. When you're doing a hill stride, that is a type of strength work. And all of this stuff integrates together, not being like, 
oh, I need to go to the gym and bench press to be a strength athlete. It's like, no, we're all finding our strong and strength work, like set aside strength work is a part of that, but so is deadlifting your baby or, you know, military pressing something onto the top shelf or whatever it is. And we want that functional strength, not just the strength um, that might be show in the gym. And I think if you have to cross train at any point, that's a time period when yeah. cross training is, is a great form of, of strength work. Like biking, biking is if builds your quads like no so other. True. And it's extremely painful in a way that translates well to running. But <laughs> like, you know, it's fun to think about all these different ways that strength can be incorporated and that strength can be this thing that's outside of running. Yeah. And so what you don't want when you're talking about heavy strength is what I had in high school. So, you know, you all know that I went, I went to college to play football and baseball as a big old guy. Um, and I could bench press 225 pounds 12 times when I went to college. I remember that specifically because it was like my goal forever. Um, but it was totally non-functional to anything but running into people really hard um, and hitting them. It wasn't functional to uh, running for sure, but also necessarily to life. It was just, it was strength for the sake of strength. Um, and I think that when you're talking about lifting heavy things, there might be a time and a place for that. Um, some studies indicate that it helps running economy. Um, it could have hormonal benefits, but it's really key to make sure you're always getting back to functionality with what you're desiring here. Um, so strength work can be great, but needs to be functional. And I think speaking to the hormonal benefits, I see that strength work comes in handy for athletes who may be aging. Um, I think strength really helps support that strong foundation. I do a lot of research in osteoporosis and bone mineral density and many, many good studies out there showing the impacts of strength in terms of building bones. So if you think about it, like strong muscles are putting tension on those bones mm -hmm. and that's allowing the bones to develop stronger. An interesting pattern that I actually see in runners too is the distribution of bone mineral density. So yeah. when we run, we're preferentially loading our lower body in terms mm -hmm. of building bones. And so a lot of athletes that I work with have stronger, stronger bone mineral density in their femurs or femoral neck um, compared to their L spine or like their lumbar spine, which may be a little bit lower. And so it's interesting to see that pattern of bone mineral density decreasing the further you get <laughs> up the body, which and is what, what are their arms like? Is there, are the arms low? Yeah. So in the study that I do, we do on, on runners. So I do bone mineral density scans on runners. Many of their radius and ulnas um, are, which are the, the, bones in the uh -huh. wrist are very low. Yeah. Um, and that's because, you know, runners aren't loading those, those bones. Oh, and that's like strong defined, right? Like if you want to be strong, you need strong bones, not just strong legs and strong everything. So that's where strength work comes in. So even though we're talking about, okay, maybe you don't want to go to the gym and see what you can bench press because that's not necessarily functional. We are massive fans of strength training um, and strength training in a very specific way. Uh, so we break it down into, uh, let's break it down into three things. Uh, the first one being mobility. Um, we love band work. So we have a two minute exercise band routine online that essentially involves multiplanar movement. So moving side to side, moving forward and back, moving backwards, um, plus, you know, some like Myrtle routine type stuff, focusing on being able to move side to side with some resistance. Um, because those little motions are things that we might not get in an athletic life. An extra plug for the Myrtle routine. So you give the Myrtle routine to a lot of athletes. And if you Google Myrtle routine by Jay Johnson online, that will pop up a um, PDF that will walk you through the entire routine. Great. Um, and then the second thing is upper body, uh, upper body work. So here we're in extreme moderation. There is a purpose. You don't want to have radius and ulna that are just like bird bones, right? Ready to break at any moment. And you want to embrace your strong, but you don't necessarily want to do it at the expense of other things. So we love upper body work from um, body weight type things. Chin-ups being the go-to, push-ups being great, light lifting being great. Um, but not necessarily ever getting on a push-up bar, um, though there, you know, maybe squat rack or something. 
I think the other thing to think about too is that chin-ups and push-ups, those are great things also for building your core. Yes. And so we do a lot of work with athletes on, you know, if you think about the core as the foundation of your stability, um, you know, if you combine that upper body work with core, um, it's a great way to build that foundation. Um, great. And then the last one is the lower body range of motion and activation patterns. This is the main thing. So, you know, we're pretty famous uh, in the small world for one-legged step-ups in our mountain legs routine. Um, we love lunges. You can Google all that stuff, but essentially what we want are routines that be can be done with consistency. Uh, an hour a day or an hour every two times a week is not necessarily better than three minutes every single day or three minutes every other day. What you want to find is a routine you can repeat over and over that, uh, buttress that reinforce the what you're looking for as an as an athlete as a runner the yeah. point on consistency is great so i think for athletes oftentimes strength training is the first thing to go like when you're living a busy life like sometimes <laughs> it's easy to get in the running it's easy to get in the cross training and then you add strength training and it's like ah oh, how do i figure this all out um and what i see often is these stop and start strength training plans so you're like an athlete gets really excited about strength training does a hard strength training session gets really sore yeah. then doesn't do strength training for three weeks and then does the same thing again and gets really sore and so again it's like you know that's risk of injury it's a step back to training so whatever you do keep it consistent and 15 10 to 15 minutes is a great way to keep that consistent strength training so going. i'm over here looking at megan right now one she looks beautiful but two her her arms and, and her upper body and her abs and everything it's just like she's so strong and like you've really committed to that right like the, <laughs> thank you well regard. i get super excited for doing these podcasts so i have to record in the sports bra <laughs> yeah. that way i'm not like sweating all the way through a t-shirt so i am sitting here she's not even wearing a shirt yet she still has somehow has pit stains i don't even know where <laughs> those are coming from Sports bra pit stains. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, she's really embraced her strength. And I think that yesterday when we were on the mountain, I was looking at you being like, whoa, that is an athlete fully functionally strong. And that's just from a few minutes a day. Oh, so thank you. At the, Maybe the arm biking too. Yeah, exactly. So the speed legs routine, just Google that online. That has a full routine at the bottom for a weekly thing that you can do no matter where you're coming from. Um, but yeah, the main thing we want to emphasize is that you are an athlete and being finding your strong doesn't necessarily mean you need to lift a lot of weight. It just means to embrace that full athletic nature. And go for super diva lots. Woohoo! We love you guys. Point. Woohoo!